Hello, everybody. This is Pat O'Connor, president of Minor League Baseball, and you're listening to After Hours, hosted by my good friend, Brandon After. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of After Hours, a minor league baseball podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Apter. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a show where we dive into the business of minor league baseball. I worked in the industry for nine years with the Reading Fightin' Phils, Wilmington Blue Rocks, Frederick Keys, Gwinnett Braves, now the Gwinnett Stripers, and Charlotte Stone Crabs, and really loved it. And so I decided to create a podcast with it, started back in late February 2019, and it's been running through the 2019 season and now into the first uh, real off-season. I'm excited to keep doing these and and continuing to talk to executives across the industry about their experiences and and hopefully help those that are trying to advance in the industry or, or those that are trying to get in to the business. If you have not already subscribed to the show, it is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor.fm, along with all of your favorite podcast platforms. And you can follow the show on Twitter as well, at AfterHoursPod. Leave some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcasts, and I will be very grateful for that. So in this episode, it's going to be a little bit of a revisit, doing my first revisit. So one of the first episodes that I had was speaking with the president and general manager of the Rocky Mountain Vibes, Chris Phillips. We talked back in March about their new brand from the Colorado Springs Sky Sox AAA to Rookie Ball, Rocky Mountain Vibes. Learned a little bit more about their story, their name, which was inspired by a late night sleep deprived trip to Target. So if you haven't listened to that episode and want to learn how they got their name and and all of the stuff behind that, including uh, how their original name uh, was not going to be okay because of a local... Uh, drug dispensary. So really, really fun story. You can go back and listen to that. But now that it's after the 2019 campaign, Chris and I are going to talk about how the inaugural vibe season went from opening day to some of the adjustments one makes going from full season baseball to rookie league ball, which is 38 games from 70, and also looking ahead already to the 2020 season and what to build on for the Rocky Mountain Vibes after a 2019 year in which they played their first season at a new ballpark. So without any further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Chris Phillips, the Vibes president and general manager. Welcome back inside After Hours, a minor league baseball podcast. And right now, I am joined by the president and general manager of the Pioneer League's Rocky Mountain Vibes, Mr. Chris Phillips. Chris, thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's a little bit of an anniversary here as we recorded, or we dropped the Rocky Mountain episode on March the 8th, and here we are recording on October the 8th. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. So seven, I guess that's seven months and uh, yeah. quite a bit has changed, obviously, in that time. And, you know, I appreciate you having <laughs> me back on to kind of do a little bit of a recap. And um, it was, it's been a fun year, man. It was a really stressful kind of 
change and, and uh, to go through the rebrand in a, yeah. in a city that had, you know, one, one team uh, with one name for 32 years and trying to flip the tables and, and you know, shake it up a little bit. Uh, you know, we knew it wasn't going to be easy, but uh, it, it, uh, looking back and reflecting on kind of all the work that went into it and getting through that first season and now having a, a legitimate brand that people know and, and recognize and have come to, uh, to really, you know, enjoy, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty been pretty gratifying. Yeah, definitely. It seems like you guys had a lot of good kind of storylines going throughout the season, uh, with regard to the inaugural year of the vibes, uh, you know, we mentioned just at the start, it's been about seven months since we've spoken last. So that was a few months before opening day. And I think maybe like a few short weeks before you guys unveiled your mascot, Toasty, which is probably among oh, yeah. like my favorite mascots in all of sports. <laughs> um, so kind of leading into the season, what sort of preparation after those big, you know, the unveil, the mascot unveil. Yep. So what sort of preparation goes into getting ready for the season? And what are some of like the main challenges that you faced and uh, how you overcame them? Sure. Great, great question. And, uh, you know, a lot of it had to do uh, a lot of the planning um, for that kind of time period from when we unveiled the actual mascot suit um, to opening day was um, basically like a, a full-out toasty blitz. Like, right. you know, anywhere and everywhere we can get this guy, let's get him out there and make sure that people um, – you know, know who he is, know that he's, he's part of the, the rebrand for the new team. Um, so when we did the unveiling for the mascot, I didn't, you know, we kind of talked internally um, how we wanted to do it. And I didn't want to do kind of a boring press conference because then, you know, the mascot yeah. comes out and then and then what, right? So, so we tried to kind of game plan around um, maybe tying into another community event that was going on. And we found right. that uh, the YMCA, who's a, a major, major player in the in the springs and they've got 10 locations here and they've been a great partner for forever they sponsor our, our kids club which is now the uh, has been rebranded as the mini mallows which i also love yeah. um but partnered with the ymca they were doing a big healthy kids day event and we asked if we could kind of be part of this and and do our unveiling of the mascot there and they were all about it so i really just wanted to kind of find somewhere where they're going to be a bunch of you know kids and families and that worked out perfectly and then from that point on, it was it was like, yeah, let's get him out to any and every yeah. event we possibly can. Uh, we even partnered with um, our, our main our main beer partner is Budweiser, and so we did a couple of like uh, pop up to- toasty, you know, surprise happy hours. So oh, cool! We show up with our staff and somebody in in the in the toasty suit, and uh, just pop into a bar and buy a round for everybody at the bar and. You know, inevitably everybody was like, "Well, holy cow, that's awesome!" and "Thank you!" and "Who the hell? What is this awesome mascot?" Yeah. and everybody wanted to get their picture with him. So it turned it, it turned into a little bit of a social thing, and uh, and the more we were able to kind of get him out and get him recognized, that just helped us going into opening day, um, kind of making sure that you know we were doing everything we could to get the the publicity for the brand out there and. You know, again, it's doing things like like these podcasts with you, and you know, making sure that all of our relationships with uh, with local media have been have been strong. And, yeah, uh, and, and I really like and what yeah, you mentioned. I really like what you mentioned with regard to you know tapping into to corporate partners and and local or nonprofit organizations to you know do something like a mascot unveiling. Because you're right. Because when it comes to those things, a lot of the standard 
thing to do is is press conferences but because you guys are a new team it made sense to tap into that i know one of the uh i think it was a lynchburg hillcats when they redid their logo a couple years ago um i remember pretty fondly uh a youtube video they did i think they partnered with their local uh animal shelter and more or less adopted their new mascot and tied it in that way so it's little things like that you remember so it's very unique you know to go beyond the standard press conference and and again make your community feel like they're a part of something even though like you said at the happy hours they were just like well what the hell's going on here what's this big graham cracker marshmallow doing in here right right but it became like a thing and it's like okay where is he going to show up next and you know, I'm sure all those people that were at the bar that night went home and told their friends or significant others about what, what they just experienced. And it was, you know, it, but it's all in good fun. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the why was a perfect fit. You know, we, we always market ourselves as, you know, affordable family entertainment and ties in with their mission. And and that was kind of my, my you know, the Brandios guys are like, dude, if you really get into like major trouble, and you're just, you know, for whatever reason, people are just continuing to hate on it. Just you always got the kids in your back pocket. Like it's all about yeah. the kids. And if you know if somebody's gonna, you know, go in that direction and and take a, a negative stance on that, then you know they, they're gonna make themselves off as the as the jerk. So yeah, in due time, um, people but, usually get over it. Yeah, exactly, man. And I mean, it was really, it was really kind of uh, again rewarding to to get, you know, probably like halfway through the season and realize that there has not been one person, not one fan, not just, you know, anybody that's come up to me and been like, oh, I really missed the Sky Sox. Yeah. Like, it didn't happen. And, it, you know, it doesn't. I mean, it's like once people get over the the, uh, the initial kind of shock of, of what this change is going to look like, and, you know, as long as we didn't do anything that was offensive or, uh, you know, in, in, in poor taste, and we knew what we had, you know, at least we felt very confident that what we had come up with was really pretty special and um, just totally unique and different and very minor league baseball and, you know, in the same vein of just fun and, um, you know, kind of that, that circus-type atmosphere that has become the norm at minor league baseball games, this, this tied into that perfectly. Yeah, so when it comes to norms at minor league baseball games, you always get those goosebumps, especially leading into opening night, whether you've been with a team for 20-plus years or you're with a new team. I imagine since you have been with a few teams uh, in, in yeah. different uh, affiliations at different levels, this is probably a little bit different. You know, you're starting a little bit later with the sort of shorter schedule. So for yeah. you, for what overall, what was you – you mentioned that there were positive – no, well, full pun intended – positive vibes going into opening night yeah. with the reception with regard to the crowd uh but but yeah. overall what was the atmosphere like um how did opening night go and um i guess looking yeah. back was there anything that you would have liked to do differently well it was kind of an ironic night so uh, let me first say that short season baseball is awesome <laughs> especially in a market like this where april and may um it's just so unpredictable with the weather. And, you know, that was one of the underlying circumstances or reasons why this, this shift in, uh, in league and affiliation, well, not affiliation, but league and, uh, and level um, had to happen. I mean, April and May here were just, it became unviable uh, for, for a AAA team to be here. We would lose typically 
eight or nine games, you know, during those two months every year and even the games that we would play and, and, you know, struggle to get in and pull the tarp on and off 10 times, you know, there's, you know, no crowd here. And it was just, it just became, uh, intenable, you know? And so it was not an easy pill to swallow to be like, okay, now we're going from triple a to short season rookie advanced. And how do you message that to the community? Um, so that was, that was certainly a challenge. Um, but you know, once, um, well, and, I, and I'll say too, you know, I think in my eight years here with the with the with the team in, in Colorado Springs, I think we've snowed out opening night on four of them. You know, so yeah. again, just a- April Colorado weather is not good baseball. Not weather. ideal. So not now now being able to start, you know, in mid June. You know, our opening night was uh, Friday, June twenty first, um, and actually putting like effort. Like I mean, it, it like literally in the past there was almost no effort that got put into making opening day special here because it was so questionable, and we were going to put all this money and resources behind making it a huge event and having, you know, 2000 people in the stands. So this was the first year literally that, uh, we're like, not only is it opening night and now it's a Friday night in June, but it's a brand new brand and it's, you know, all of this change and we've really got to make it special. And so we put a ton of, ton of time and effort into making it as, uh, as cool as we can and had, you know, a lot of local dignitaries that were that were here and recognized. Um, you know, all sorts that we had a uh, uh, first pitch ball delivered from a helicopter. I mean, all these kind of right. like ancillary kind of special things that make the night memorable. Um, and then, ironically, yeah, the, the weather that night it was like 50 degrees. It was it was cold, <laughs> but we had a great crowd, and uh, and it was a great way to kind of kick the season off and show people. You know, once I think once the fans, and again, you know, minor league baseball. I mean, yeah. the majority of the fans aren't diehard baseball people. They're not there cheering on that hometown team to get the win and keeping track of stats and all. You know, that's just not that's not our business model. So I knew that once fans were able to see our players in uniforms and you know know that they're they're still a Brewers affiliate and these are professional players and you know nine times out of ten, you would have zero idea whether this was a short-season team right. or a triple-A team. They sit in the and seats, and they're just like, okay, this is okay, this is normal after all. Yeah, absolutely. But it took it took people to be able to see it, you know, and, and with their own two eyes to, to, to understand it. Right. Um, you know, another new element that was added as part of the, the switchover this year to, to short-season was instituting a host family program. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we had never had here at the AAA level, but now all of a sudden we've got you know all these guys that are getting drafted right out of college, or you know we had a couple guys out of high school that uh, you know it'd be, it's the norm in pretty much every short season league to have all of the players live with host families in the community. So that was a whole new you know project that we had to take on and kind of vetting these families, making sure that. The homes are safe and comfortable, that they're close enough to the ballpark, that they're, you know, the families are going to be willing to help with transportation. And there's, there's a lot that goes into that. And there's a lot that could easily go wrong with one of those situations. But, I mean, it was really pretty flawless this year. And our staff did a great job of helping to coordinate that. And, um, and it, was, it was a cool thing for those families. I mean, now they, they, they are, you know, talk about a memory-making experience. I mean, yeah. you've got a professional ball player, you know, then it was, it was interesting. It was kind of a mix of like empty nesters 
that had extra room and, you know, wanted to help out or what, or whatever. Versus, and then you had your families with young kids and, you know, thought this would be a cool kind of experience for them to, to go through. And, um, but I would say, I think, I think all but one of the families, and I think it's only because they're moving, has said that they definitely want to come back and be part of the program next year. Right. You know, they've all just developed these, like, really close interpersonal relationships with the with the players that they'll probably, you know, continue on for, you know, forever. Yeah, I remember and, when I worked in Frederick, the, the host family, uh, the host family initiative and, and all of the families that were out there were always super supportive and, and such a large part, and that was high A-ball. Uh, yeah. of of the players' lives, so you realize that it doesn't only have an effect on the the family that's hosting, but really having uh, being a baseball player and getting to go into a host family rather than just kind of getting your own apartment, it, it kind of makes you feel a little better, especially if you're coming right out of high school or right out of college. You know, you get put in, yeah, in totally. a I warmer mean, you're, you're environment. Right. right, exactly, and. Uh... And they were, and they were, and those host families became, you know, amazing advocates for for us as well. I mean, they, they, you know, they were out there, you know, again supporting us and talking about, you know, how much fun it was and how great of an organization, you know, we are to work with and so on and so forth. So there were there were a lot of those pieces that had to fall into place to really make make this a successful season, and uh, and it did. I mean, we, you know, we had I think we only lost three games this year due to weather versus, like I said, the normal, you know, 10. Yeah, I looked that up because I remember that you mentioned uh, in our March conversation that the weather was going to be more favorable, and I saw that there was a recent article saying that you guys played the first 34 games with no postponements, shortened games, or extra inning contests. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and and it was, again, you know, you would it would stand to reason that if you – take out the early, you know, early season crappy weather months in April and May and, and kind of, you know, cram all of your best promotions into the best weather dates of the year, um, you know, and cut out those operating expenses on, on the, in the months that you're not drawing well. I mean, they, they were losing money. They were losing money every April and May. And yeah. the players were miserable and, you know, the brewers were miserable and, you know, it was just a, not a great situation. So now we've gone from becoming like the, um, you know, the redheaded stepchild of the, of the, you know, PCL, the Pacific coast league to like the bell of the ball, of the pioneer league. Yeah. You know, our groundskeeper just got, uh, just one groundskeeper of the year for the pioneer league, pioneer league, which is awesome. Uh, we are kind of the front runner to be hosting the, uh, the pioneer league, Northwest league all-star game next year. Mm-hmm. So we'll hopefully find out about that in, uh, in the next couple of weeks here. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, uh, like I said, initially a tough pill to swallow for, uh, not only the community, but for, for us as a staff as well. I mean, it was like kind of getting people out of that mindset that, you know, we're going down just because we're going down in levels does not mean we're going down in, in the quality. Way that we operate, yep. You know, yeah. In quality, it's quality of entertainment. And, you know, we're not going to not do fireworks shows and we're not going to not have awesome, you know, theme nights. I mean, we're, we're, if anything, we're going to like kick it up a notch to, uh, to show that, yeah, this is, we're here to stay and, and, you're going to get the same, if not better, entertainment year after year uh, with the new brand and the stories that we're allowed to, to tell with it. And so we're we're pretty excited about um, about next season. I mean, you know, we don't have all of the heavy lifting now has been done, right? So yeah. I mean, we initially 
we essentially started a new company last year. So if you can, you know, envision everything that that goes into that, from changing your website to all your social handles to all of the signage in the ballpark to all the merchandise that needs to change to, I mean, it is your letterhead, your business cards. It's everything. Yeah. So uh, that was pretty much what consumed the entire staff from October of last year through, you know, through the end of the season. And now as we start our planning for 2020 um, and realizing that, holy cow, yeah, we don't really have to do all of that heavy lifting anymore. And now it's like really just kind of the planning and promotion and what do we want the next five years to look like? What do we want the next 10 years to look like? How are what are we going to, you know, what are the changes? Yeah, I guess after you go ballpark? through the whole creating a whole new business, really, um, it's like challenges that come up for teams that have been there for a while might seem lesser to the people that went through this because obviously starting this from the ground up and everything, for the most part, um, for, for anybody in a front office is an experience that helps you grow as a professional. So I can only imagine like moving forward, uh, it'll make everybody within the staff better versed to handle, you know, lesser challenges that might be bigger challenges in different front offices. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, it's like, it's like guys that come on, like, you know, if somebody's like, Oh man, if we, if we get that all-star game, it's going to be a lot of work. And it's like, come on. I mean, like compared to what we went through, it's like a piece of cake. Yeah. You know, so it's it is kind of putting things in perspective a little bit, and you know, making sure that we uh, that we're reminding people of, you know, what we like take some time to reflect on what we accomplished, and like you guys are all kind of part of the history of of creating this new brand that that will hopefully be around for a long, long time, and you know, take some pride in that, but just know that the the work is, is just getting started, and uh, but now it's kind of time to uh, to change from that like laborious just detail-oriented work of, of getting everything changed over and starting, like you said, I mean, starting from scratch to now, like, having all of the, the major pieces in place and figuring out the best way to, um, you know, to market the brand, to enhance the fan experience at the at the ballpark. How do we keep ourselves relevant in the offseason? Again, what are the new, what are the changes we want to make to the ballpark, you know? So as we, we're going through and setting departmental budgets and, you know, individual sales goals and all those things. Uh, it's a lot more fun now having been through a season and kind of knowing what to expect and like realizing like, Oh my God, if we would have just done this different for this thing, that would have been so much better. Or, you know, just, just looking back and kind of figuring out what tweaks need to be made, what things work great and don't need to be, don't need to be messed with. And yeah, so it's, it's a lot more, um, I guess just fun is the best word to put to put it now. Now that the now that the hard part is done. Yeah. So all in all, it sounds like the transition the transition from seventy games to thirty eight was was a really good one for you and probably your staff as well. But what goes into creating a schedule of promotions and stuff when you're working with less games as opposed to the full season? Yeah. Well, I mean, every every game becomes a lot more important, right? I mean, so. You know, now we look at it where we've got 38 opportunities. You know, those are 38 opportunities to, to generate revenue. And how do we maximize every opportunity? And, you know, you know using like our, uh, our group sales department as, as an example, you know, we've got some pretty, pretty great hospitality areas at the ballpark. So we've got a, a 500 person picnic area. We've got an indoor banquet hall space that seats about 200 people. We've got a, um, a sports bar on the third base side that's uh, Toasty's Tavern. 
that we can get another 150 people or so in. We've got 18 suites, um, you know, 15 of them that we that we sell on yearly leases, and three that we we keep open for nightly rentals. So, like using group sales as an example, how do we make sure that we? So we've got 38 banquet halls to sell. Like, make sure they get sold. Right. We've got 38 picnic pavilions to sell. Make sure they get sold. And so it's kind of looking at it like a jigsaw puzzle a little bit when you're when you're working with less dates. Uh, but it definitely creates more urgency for for companies, whether they're a sponsor or a company looking to do their company picnic, and now they want to do a Saturday night in June or July, and we've got four of them, uh, and one of them sold out already. Now we've got so it just it it just creates a little bit more urgency for people to make that buying decision, which is great, and it, and it's great for us. It just becomes a little bit more challenging when we're getting into things like you know, first right of refusal. So if this company sponsored a Friday night fireworks show this year, you know, technically in, in, in accordance with our policies, they should have first right of refusal to, to be able to sponsor a Friday night fireworks game next year. Right. But then we get our schedule and, it, uh, you know, that Friday that they had is not going to work out this year. So it's, it's a little bit of a, a jigsaw puzzle and making sure that we're matching up the best inventory with the best, you know, the best sponsors and the best uh, companies to kind of jump on board. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of easier to wrap your head around. I mean, it's like, this is it guys, there's 38 events. And, you know, as soon as one of them's gone, you know, that opportunity to, uh, to make money there is, is gone as well. So right. let's not, let's not let that happen. And, and let's figure out a way to, uh, to kind of, make sure that we're, we're putting people, you know, on the right dates in the right spaces. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm confident that, that we're, we're going to do it. And a lot of it again this year was just a lot of delay in the sales cycle. I mean, not, not really being able to sell at all in September, October, November, which are typically pretty big renewal, you know, sales months for us. Right. But everybody kind of taking that wait and see approach until we actually unveiled in you know late November. Yeah, just put us behind the eight ball. A little so it's bit a little now. bit of a different approach now. Back to, to back to a more traditional approach per se. Yeah, and, and and yeah, more time, more time to sell less inventory, um, but really making sure that we're maximizing all the inventory that we have. Right. Now, now we've talked about it a couple times already in this episode uh, with regard to your mascot, Toasty. Um, you know, other than me really wanting s'mores at the moment, you guys are already looking ahead to one of his bigger events, his 50th birthday in 2069, as you guys announced that you are doing something uh, unique following the first year of Vibes Baseball in Rocky Mountain. Uh, you guys burying a time capsule under center field. So talk about how that ideal came to life and what sort of uh, feedback you've gotten so far from fans. Yeah, for sure, man. I, and I will, uh, I will give the credit for that one to, uh, to our assistant general manager, Keith Hodges, who, um, kind of came up with this idea and talking to a, uh, a sponsor that's a, uh, de- that's a defense contractor in town. Colorado Springs is a pretty big military uh, city. We've got four, uh, you know, four military bases here. And um, with that, there's a lot of defense contracting type companies that um, do some very interesting type of work. Most of it that, uh, you know, they'd have to, they could tell you, but they'd have to kill you. But in one of his kind of casual conversations with a contact there, you know, we were trying to talk about 
okay, so, you know, last game of the year, yeah, we're going to do fireworks, we're going to, um, you know, what else are we going to do to kind of make it a special, memorable night, you know, to kind of cap off the inaugural season for the Vibes. And, uh, you know, they started talking about this, like, time capsule idea. And when I first heard it, I was like, that is, that's stupid. I mean, it's like, it's not going to sell any tickets. Like, what's the point of it? Um, and so I was, I was pretty negative about it from the get-go. And the more we talked about it, the more I, kind of, I warmed up to a, li- a little bit. I was still, you know, just, I feel like it's going to be kind of a waste of time and not, nobody's really going to care and I, you know, and then I, I honestly, I'll, I'll uh, egg on my face, man. I couldn't have been more wrong. I think when we talked about how we were going to do it and what we wanted to do uh, at that last game, and I talked to our manager and I said, "Look, here's what I'm, I'm thinking. I, I, I would like, you know, whether you win or lose, you know, hopefully you win. Um, but whether you win or lose, I'd like the entire team to come back out in the field. We're going to let the entire, you know, anybody that wants to come down to the field from the stands, come on down." take pictures, get autographs with your guys. It can be super casual. We're not going to have them sit down and, like, sit at tables or anything like that. Just let them roam around the outfield and, you know, play catch, you know, whatever whatever they want to do. And that's when we'll kind of bury this time capsule thing. And uh, and he agreed. He was He's just an awesome. Nestor Corridor is an amazing guy to work with. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we did it. And when we had – and we kind of made this big spectacle and coned off the whole area in the in the infield. It was pretty much right around uh, in between first and second base, kind of on the, on the skin of the infield. And uh, and the, this huge crowd was gathered around to kind of watch it all go down. Everybody's taking pictures. And it wound up being this, like, pretty cool kumbaya moment of, uh, you know, using it as a way to kind of bury – you know, put to bed the, the the end of one era and kind of the start, the start of a new era, and um, it was cool. I mean, I, again, I'll give him all the credit on that one. That was not my idea or not one that I even endorsed until you know towards the very end of it. But uh, it was a cool it was a cool way to cap off that first season. And um, you know, I don't know when that thing will be buried. I, I'm I'm sure I will probably be long gone, but. Uh, but it'll be it'll be neat for for somebody to see what what's in there when uh, when they pull it up. Yeah, I'll set a calendar reminder for uh, yeah. <laughs> May twenty sixty nine to follow up with will, you about that. Uh, I'll be ninety one years old, I think. So I'm not sure if I'll be. In <laughs> I haven't done the math on mine yet. I don't want to scare myself <laughs> too much. Um, so so before I let you go, looking back on everything, it seems like you guys had a really successful. Um, first season, getting your brand out there with with the new team, with less games, and and really growing as a staff, growing as a brand in the area. Um, so you know, you guys finish uh, second in attendance in the Pioneer League behind the Ogden Rapper, Raptors, but you only lost two games or had two less yeah. openings than them. So first place was definitely in sight there. And I know that's announced attendance and not actual. I don't have those numbers. I, um, I will, I will, I will put a guarantee on uh, winning that, winning that, uh, that award next year. Okay. I, 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 we, I was watching the, uh, I was watching those numbers very closely and I think there was some fudging going on towards the end of it. It happens uh, everywhere. It happens. Everywhere. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, I'm not, I'm not butthurt about it, and yeah. uh, I'm I'm confident that uh, with our planning moving forward for this next season, we're gonna we're gonna have a really good year. It's gonna be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, so uh, I, in a recent interview with the Pikes Peak Courier, you gave the vibes a B plus for the inaugural year, a year pretty solid. So I guess after working in AAA ball in Colorado Springs for eight years prior to this year, how do you measure that success and make sure that you now build strongly moving forward? For sure. Yeah, great question. And, I, I you know, it's funny. I had originally, on that on that call and in that interview, um, they originally given us a B, because oh. um, I mean, it, again, by by you know all things considered, um, what we were up against, uh, I thought we did a tremendous job. You know, there's still a ton of room for improvement, and so I thought a B was appropriate. But I think that when I did that interview, that was the day that um, that ESPN magazine came out with the full page spread of toasty. And so the interviewer was like, come on, man. He's like, you're in ESPN magazine. He's like, you, you give yourself a B plus. And yeah. I'm like, all right. So there might have been a little bit of a curve. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, we had some amazing years with the Sky Sox. And not to discredit, you know, anything that we did during that time. And I was a part of some of those years. And I was I'm really proud of them. And I, I will be forever. Um, but this was kind of my baby to, to take on and, and to, to really – kind of start with a clean slate and I'm super proud of our staff and, and all the, the hard work that they put into, you know, making this brand come to life. And yeah, no, I mean, now, now we're just getting warmed up, man. I think the, like I said, now that, now that the brand is out there and is, is recognizable and, and has, you know, legitimacy to it, uh, it'll make things that much easier on us as we, uh, we're getting into our sales season and, and getting into our, our kind of hardcore planning for what that promotional schedule is going to look like next year and how we're to go out there and, and get, you know, get people into the ballpark. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, it's butts and seats and um, how are we going to come up with the most fun, innovative, creative ways to, uh, to make that happen. And um, I think we've got some, some pretty, some pretty interesting ones floating around right now. So we'll see what gets, you know, cutting the drawing board or not, but um, I, I'm I'm very very optimistic and excited about the future of uh, the franchise and um, yeah just keep, just just stay tuned for some uh, for some fun news to come and if we can get this All Star game uh, knocked out too that would be another big feather in the cap for the the organization and the city and so a lot of a lot of exciting things in the works. Yeah, for sure. Well, Chris, I do appreciate you taking some time out of your day to come back on the show as part of our seven-month anniversary since the first time that you were on here. So, um, guys, if you are listening, make sure that you are following the Rocky Mountain Vibes on Twitter, at Vibes Baseball. Lots of great content out there for any minor league baseball fans. So follow them along and and of course, who doesn't like s'mores, Chris? So if you want to visit vibesbaseball.com, get yourself some toasty gear. It might be a t-shirt or it might be a sweater, but you know, there there's a lot of great options with those with those logos to be able to yeah, to get some Thank you. Some and good I, I, merch. I will uh, I appreciate you having having uh, me on again, Brandon, and yeah, check check that out at vibes.milbstore.com and Tell me, uh, you can, uh, for having me on, I'll let you pick out something you want and we'll send it out your way, buddy. All right. Looking forward to it. Well, thanks again, Chris, and hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon. Very good. Thanks, Brandon. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And another thank you to Chris for taking some time to join the show. Once again, a really fun story. 
for a really successful opening year for the Rocky Mountain Vibes. already gave you all the info on where to follow them and to find out more information about them. If you like what you heard this episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And I will see you next time on another episode of After Hours, a minor league baseball podcast, as we continue to dive into the business of minor league baseball. New episodes every two weeks. Thanks for again for tuning in. This is Brandon Apter signing off. We'll catch you next time.